Why was Tom Browning missing from a World Series game? This week on The Internet Says It's True. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds made up but is really true. Part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. This is episode 158, and this is a baseball episode. Also, don't worry if you're not a baseball fan. This is really, it's just a fun story that took place when I was a kid. You may have noticed a couple bonus episodes in your feed the last couple weeks. That's because we're currently doing our annual patron drive. I have taken some of the great stories from the live stream web show I did called Joke Story Trick and offered some excerpts here for you to listen to. It's a thank you to my listeners and a drive to ask you to consider supporting this podcast by signing up for Patreon. You can uh, pledge as little as $1 a month, and for that, you get lots of bonuses like ad-free episodes, videos that no one else gets access to, and fun stuff in the mail. Just go to patreon.com slash michaelkent, and you can sign up. You can even do a free trial there. Once again, that's patreon.com slash michaelkent. This week, I'm appearing at four different colleges all over New England, so this episode is being written from hotel rooms and airplanes and recorded in a hotel room. So pardon if the sound is slightly different than what you're used to. You know, when I do these in the hotel room, sometimes there's little things like you can hear me breathing and things like that. Sometimes you can hear (laughs) different stuff going on outside. I figured out what I think is the best podcasting setup for me to, uh, to be able to record in a hotel room. So I'm trying to keep the work up while I'm on the road working. This week is Anna Maria College, Colby Sawyer, Assumption, and the Culinary Institute of America. So all fun shows coming up. Uh, this week had one last night at Anna Maria College, and then I got back to my hotel room. I've never had this happen before in 20 years of, of touring. Uh, I pulled into the lot, and it was like a vacant hotel. It was the craziest thing. Uh, I, I, there are no lights on on the outside of the hotel, on the inside of the hotel, in the parking lot, nothing. Uh, there was one. Uh, the, the parking lot was full, but there's one car. With where there was someone in it and they had their flashlight trying to find their way around because it was so dark. I got my, my bags out, I walked up to the door, the doors were wide open to the front, to the lobby, and I walked into the lobby and it was just full of people and it was dead silent. And what had happened, obviously the place had lost power and no one could check in. So everyone was just waiting. Now, fortunately for me, I had gotten here earlier in the day and already checked in. So I was able to go to my room where basically we didn't have power for, I don't know, a couple hours. Uh, so I don't know what happened. It was 20 years of touring. It was the first time that's ever happened. The weirdest thing. Um, but anyway, fun road stories. So anyway, back to this week's story. This happened when I was in the sixth grade, 1990. But before we do that, let's go back a couple years before that. The Cincinnati Reds have had 17 no-hitters in their franchise history, a game where no batter from the opposing team gets on base from a hit but they've only had one perfect game. That means no one from the other team got on base at all. No errors, no walks, nothing. And it happened in 1988. Ready for the 2-2 to Woodson, and here it comes. And it is swung out and missed. And Tom Browning has pitched a perfect game. 27 outs in a row, and he is being mobbed by his teammates just to the third base side of the mound. A perfect game thrown by Tom Browning on this Friday night, September the 16th, 1988. As he no-hits the Los Angeles Dodgers one to nothing and throws the first perfect game in the long and legendary history 
of this great Cincinnati Reds baseball franchise. Tom Browning threw his perfect game on September 16th of 1988. It was his fifth season with the Reds, and it was only the 12th perfect game ever thrown in all of Major League Baseball. He was having a great year and almost threw a no-hitter earlier in the season, but it was this game, pitched at home against the Dodgers, that put Tom Browning in the Reds' history book and made him only the second left-hander to throw a perfect game since Sandy Koufax in 1965. Tom Browning, who passed away last year at the age of 62, spoke to WCPO's Tanya O'Rourke about his perfect game. This was from an interview in Cincinnati in 2017. I want to ask you, that last pitch, the last out, do you remember what that feeling was going through you? Oh, goodness, yeah. Uh, it was kind of like an out-of-body experience for me. I felt like I was lifted up above the whole thing and watching down on it. Uh, I remember Ronnie Oster punched me in the mouth by accident. He went to hug me and I turned at the wrong time and he kind of hit me across the face. But uh, scared to death, uh, exhilarated, and, and really couldn't uh, believe that I'd just accomplished something like that. I, could you catch your breath? I mean, was your breathing just so shallow at that oh, point? Oh, I, 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 you know, it's hard to really look back because I was so excited and I realized, you know, plus it was the Dodgers and I love beating the Dodgers, gosh. <laughs> I grew up a Reds fan and uh, to be able to beat the Dodgers like that. But I just remember throwing that last pitch as hard as I could. And I tried to throw it as hard as I could, which, you know, probably about 88 miles an hour. Uh, wasn't very hard, but <laughs> it was close. Uh, but after that, I, it just kind of all came out. And I, you know, I, only, I wasn't really an excitable guy. I didn't really get too, too excited out there after anything. Uh, but that day, I kind of let it go a little bit and gave it a little, I call it the saw, the little pump. But uh, pretty cool night. Browning is best known for his perfect game in 1988, but one of the most interesting stories about his career happened when the Reds made it to the World Series two years later. The Reds, managed by Lou Pinella, faced Tony LaRusso's Oakland A's. The A's had an incredible year and were notable that year for some of their just amazing hitters, Walt Weiss, Mark McGuire, and Jose Canseco, all of whom had been named Rookie of the Year within the last four years. For the Reds, they were known for having a great bullpen. Their top pitchers, who were known as the Nasty Boys, didn't even include Tom Browning. They were Norm Charlton, Randy Myers, and Rob Dibble. Games 1 and 2 of the Best of 7 series were played in Cincy at Riverfront Stadium. The Reds won Game 1 7-0. The next game had an attendance of 55,832, the fourth most attended game in stadium history. First Lady Barbara Bush threw out the first pitch and the A's came alive during that game. Thanks to an early score by Ricky Henderson, the A's got on the board first. Later, Jose Canseco hit a home run, his only one of the series. As the game entered its fifth inning, the Reds were trailing four to three. Tom Browning wasn't scheduled to pitch that night. He was on the board to be the starter when the Reds traveled to Oakland for game three. So the game was close and Tom Browning got some news. His pregnant wife had gone into labor. We'll continue the story when we come back. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. 
Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Hi, this is Sue Foley, and I'm inviting you to listen to Music Journeys. Hear local and national artists share how the love of music began and what inspired their latest project. Mike Foley blends it all together with some music. Now, you can't believe him if he says he's related to me and inherited my musical talent, but you can be sure that other Foley will deliver a worthwhile listening experience, too. Listen to Music Journeys Saturday mornings at 1130 on WCBE and in the podcast experience at WCBE.org. Red's Clubhouse called up to Marty Brenneman asking Marty to make a public announcement and tell Tom Browning to return to the ballpark. I'll tell you, I've heard of a lot of things happen in a baseball game, but I've never heard That was Tim McCarver calling the game on TV. The announcement had gone out on both TV and radio broadcasts. Here's what happened. The Reds were trailing, and it wasn't looking good as the game was winding down. Tom Browning was scheduled to pitch the next game, so he was in the dugout not expecting to play that night. That's when the clubhouse attendant found Tom Browning with a message he'd just received. He said, Tom, your wife Deb is getting in the car to go to the hospital. She was pregnant and due any day to deliver their baby, so this was it. She was going into labor. She was at the stadium watching the game and had walked herself to her car and was leaving to drive herself to the hospital. As she was trying to get out, there's a Reds van blocking her way, so she contacted the clubhouse to get it moved. This is how they found out and why they told Tom. She didn't want him to leave the game. She just wanted them to move a van out of the way. But Tom didn't think twice. I just got my uniform, you know. I, I told and I saw Rick, I said, I'm going. And he said, okay, because uh, I wasn't going to pitch. I was supposed to pitch the next game, so I didn't think you know, they're not going to miss me. So Tom Browning left the dugout and Riverfront Stadium with almost no one knowing he had left. He was driving Debbie to the hospital. Then, as Tom was making the drive to the hospital, the Reds' batting came alive. Started by a Billy Hatcher triple, the Reds scored to tie the game in the eighth inning. And manager Lou Pinella started making plans for if the game were to go into extra innings. In the case the game wasn't settled in nine innings, Pinella started looking at what they were going to do for pitching. And that's when he asked pitching coach Stan Williams where Browning was. He didn't know. And if you watch the broadcast of the game, there's this shot of Pinella, Williams, and a few others standing around looking somewhat confused and panicky talking about Browning, trying to figure out where he was. Eventually, the news was relayed to Pinella and the coaching staff that Browning had left the stadium. And Pinella was angry, yelling to Williams, the pitching coach, what the hell is going on? That's when they found out that Browning's wife, Debbie, was giving birth. Pinella sent an urgent message up to the broadcast booth to longtime Reds radio announcer Marty Brenneman. He asked him to make a special plea on the air for Browning to get back to the ballpark. A rather unusual message. We understand that Tom Browning's wife, Debbie, has gone into labor. He has left the ballpark. 
and a call apparently has just come up from the Reds clubhouse to make an appeal over our airwaves for Tom Browning to come back to the ballpark in the event that they have to use him to pitch tonight. This clubhouse called up to Marty Brenneman asking Marty to make a public announcement and tell Tom Browning to return to the ballpark. I'll tell you, I've heard of a lot of things happen in a baseball game. Marty Brenneman later said he thought it was a prank at first, and throughout his career it was the most bizarre thing he'd been associated with. When Tim McCarver put the announcement out on the television broadcast, it was playing on 28.6 million TVs around the world. One of those TVs was in the lounge area just outside Debbie Browning's delivery room, where Tom Browning was sitting in a chair with a hospital gown over his Reds uniform, baseball cap and all. The game remained tied at the bottom of the ninth and was heading into extra innings. Tom Browning heard the plea for him to return to the ballpark and was amazed. You know, he left thinking nobody would miss him. Now he had a choice to make. He decided to ignore the call and stay in the hospital to be with his wife. He had missed the birth of their first child due to a baseball game and he wasn't going to miss this one. As far as the Reds game, well, Browning got lucky when Joe Oliver hit a double to send in the run to bring the Reds to victory in the 10th inning. Oliver wants the hit to win it. That ball is fair! Cincinnati's ahead! Two games to none! I think it's safe to say that Tom Browning, you don't need to come to the ballpark. Debbie gave birth to their second child, Tucker Browning, later that night. Two nights later, an unshaven Browning showed up in Oakland ready to pitch game three and expected to get an earful from manager Lou Pinella. But Pinella was happy for Tom Browning. He just asked him to maybe tell someone next time. The Reds went on to sweep the Oakland A's four games to nothing. That should be the end of this part of the podcast, but there's another fun little piece of information here. As I was researching this story, it came back to me that I went to one of the games in this series. I was 11 years old, I was in the sixth grade and we used to go to a lot of games at Riverfront Stadium. My dad had gotten lucky finding that some extra tickets were available to the World Series, so he took me to one game and my brother to another. This isn't even why I chose this story. I remembered it after the fact. So I texted dad and I asked which game it was that I went to. It was game two. I was at this game. The first time I've ever, sort of, been a part of one of these stories. The internet says it's true.
it is time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling you. Uh, you know, I'm in a hotel right, room right now, and, and the internet sucks, and I don't even want to try to do a Zoom call with a friend. Not to mention, a lot of my friends are on the road performing, because this is our busy time of year doing the college tour. Uh, so here's how this is going to work. We're going to go through all five questions. They're all multiple choice. They're all new information. And, you know, use the honor system. Answer them. Have fun with them. And you can use these with other people, maybe if you're into baseball or even if you're not. Uh, there's some really interesting stuff here. And so I want you to use social media to get in touch with me about your answers. If you get it right or you don't get it right, because we got some stakes going on here. Uh, so here is your first question. We're going to play for a joke. So if you get it right, uh, I'm going to tell you a joke either way. If you get it wrong, I want you to send me in a joke and maybe I'll read it on, on next week's show. Here's your question. There have only been 24 pitchers who have thrown a perfect game in Major League Baseball history. Which one of these was the most recent? Was it A, Reds pitcher Wade Miley in 2021? B, Phillies pitcher Michael Lorenzen in 2023? Or C, Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman in 2023? Which one of those do you think it is? Reds pitcher Wade Miley? Phillies pitcher Michael Lorenzen? Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman? The answer, I'll give you five seconds. Here we go. Five, four, three, two. Which one do you think it is? The answer, it was this year, Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman. He pitched a perfect game this June against the Oakland A's. Only the 24th in history since Lee Richmond pitched the first perfect game in 1880. 1880. So think about that. 1880 to now. There have only been 24. And this week's story where we started talking about Tom Browning, that was halfway through. That was 12. So there have only been 12 since 1990. So pretty incredible. Anyway, if you got that right, uh, you know, don't do anything. If you got it wrong, you got to send me in a joke or just send me in, in a joke anyway. Um, now, I did not prepare a joke. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm Googling baseball joke. And I'm going to tell you the first one that comes up. This is 30 Funny Baseball Jokes and Comics for Kids. I'm going to read the first one. How long did the baseball player spend in the library? Five minutes. It was a short stop. Horrible. Absolutely horrible joke. Which baseball player loved fireplaces? Mickey Mantle. Oh, these are horrible. Which baseball player makes flapjacks? The batter. All right, we're getting better. Why did the sausage quit playing baseball? Because he was worst on his team? I need to stop doing this. This is... Oh, here... Okay, here's a good one. This is a pun. Did you know baseball is the first sport in the Bible? Yeah, in Genesis it says, in the big inning. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's get back to our questions. Uh, honor system. So if you get it wrong, send me in a joke. Question two. For this next question, we're going to play for a special balloon that I use in my show. And I have these uh, for sale. It's a balloon that says, I'm sorry I called you a dick. Uh, but I also have some that say, I'm sorry I called you a jerk. If you don't like to swear, that's totally fine. But if you get this right and you let me know, I will send you a couple of these balloons in the mail. All you got to do is email me through the website, through uh, the internet says it's true.com. Email me your, you know, your, your information and uh, I'll send it out. Here's your question. What was the longest labor ever recorded? So longest amount of time it took someone to give birth Longest labor ever recorded. Was it A, 75 days, B, 12 days, or C, two years? 
So once again, that was A, 75 days, B, 12 days, or C, two years. Don't cheat, don't go to Google. Let's just play the honor system here. I'm gonna give you five seconds, four, three. What do you think it is? It is A, 75 days. This was in 2012. Uh, can you believe it? 75 days. A Polish woman, she lay nearly upside down in labor for 75 days. This was in order to save the lives of her two premature babies. They were very premature. She actually had triplets, and, and one of them uh, did not make it. And she was trying to say, the doctors were trying to save the other two. And so with 75 days left in her labor, they sort of laid her, you know, reclining the, so her head was down. She was almost upside down um, for 75 days in order to save the lives of these babies. So there you go. That's a, that's a strange one. So if you got that right, let me know. I'll send you some balloons in the mail. Question three. We're going to play for a sticker, just like we always do. But again, send it in. If you, if you got this right, this next question, send it in. Let me know. Give me your address. I'll send you a sticker. I'll send a sticker to literally anyone who, who asks uh, if you got this right. So here we go. This is a weird one. When a baseball is brand new, it goes through a strange process before it can be put into a major league baseball game. Which one of these is it? A, it's x-rayed to check it for deformities and or tampering. B, it's rubbed with a special type of mud. Or C, its stitches are roughed up with sandpaper. Again, A, it's x-rayed to check for tampering or deformities. B, it's rubbed with mud. Or C, it's roughed up with sandpaper. Uh, the stitches are roughed up. Which one of those do you think it is? Five, four, three. This is for a sticker. The answer, B, it's rubbed with a special type of mud. There's actually a really cool video on, on YouTube where you can see them doing this. Uh, Lena Blackburn Baseball Rubbing Mud. That's the product. It's a brand of specially prepared uh, mud used to prepare balls in the sport of baseball before they're put into play. So when a ball is brand new, it's pretty slick. It's got a glossy surface, the leather does. So when, when they're new, they're rubbed down with this mud to reduce the slickness and to give pictures a firmer grip and better control without damaging or discoloring the ball. So there you go. Baseball rubbing mud. Now you know that exists. Um, you can probably buy that on the internet. I'm sure you can. You can rub your own baseballs if you want. Mud them up. Um, so if you got that right, let me know. I'll get you a sticker. Let's, we're just keep, let's just keep playing for prizes. So for this one, we're going to play for a not beer drink koozie. I've got these for sale on my website for like seven bucks. But if you get it right, send me a message with your info and I'll mail you one. That's good for the first up to 50 listeners to do so. So if you get this question right, let me know. Send me your info. I'll send you a drink koozie. In the 1960s and 70s, it became common to build stadiums that housed both Major League Baseball and NFL football games, multi-purpose hybrid stadiums. Riverfront was one of these stadiums, as was Three River Stadiums uh, in Pittsburgh, Candlestick Park in San Francisco, countless others. In the 90s and the 2000s, these parks were replaced with separate stadiums for each. But one city kept their multi-use stadium until it was the last. Which one of these was the last hybrid use NFL slash MLB stadium? Was it A, the Oakland Coliseum, B, the Houston Astrodome, or C, Baltimore Memorial Stadium? That's A, the Oakland Coliseum, B, the Houston Astrodome, or C, Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. I'll give you a few seconds to figure it out. Honor system, no Googling. The answer, A, the Oakland Coliseum. The Oakland A's and the Raiders both played in the Coliseum, which is still in use, by the way, uh, by the A's. But the Raiders, of course, we know moved to Las Vegas, so the A's have sole use of the field now. So, yeah, let me know if you got that right. I'll send you a drink koozie. Very cool. Up to the first 50 people to to let me know about that.
Uh, and now it's the, it's the final question. Normally we play for, you know, a per- perpetuity guesting on the podcast. Perpetual, I guess, is the word. Perpetual guesting on the podcast or banned forever. This one, I've got something very special uh, to me anyway. So if you've ever seen one of my stage shows or photos or videos of my stage shows, you know that I have a main showcase with some signage on it, a little round sign that usually says MK. The original one had a hand and a chicken. I've got one of those old signs that used to sit on my road case during the show. It's a piece of show memorabilia. I've always wanted to get rid of it, never known what to do with it. And you can see this on a lot of my old videos. It's green and it says MK on it. The first person to answer correctly via email or social media wins. Uh, so here you go. Just let me know that you got it right. The first person to do that, um, you know, you win, you win the thing. 1990 was a year that saw another strange occurrence in baseball. It was the only time in history which one of these things has happened, okay? So one of these things has only happened once in all of Major League Baseball. A, a game with two triple plays. B, a game that went into more than 20 innings. Or C, a baseball got stuck inside a bat. Again, A, two triple plays. B, a game going into more than 20 innings. Or C, a baseball getting stuck in a bat. I'll give you five, four, three. What do you think it is? The answer, in 1990, the Twins played the Red Sox in the first, and so far the only time in history, they had two triple plays. The Twins got two triple plays. Uh, Sadly, they still lost the game, (laughs) one to nothing, so it didn't matter that they got their two triple plays, but that'd be pretty amazing. So rare to see a triple play, let alone two in a game. Uh, That's the only time it's ever happened, 1990. Uh, you know, let me know if you got that right without Googling Honor System. And uh, the first person that does let me know, I'm going to send you this this piece of show memorabilia that I've got sitting around. Uh, so it sits in my studio, and I would love to, to send that to someone who listens to this podcast. Um, so thanks again for listening. That's all we got for this week. I appreciate you for playing along. Uh, here is a young baseball fan. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton, because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it! See you next week for a brand new episode of... The Internet Says It's True! The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Joshua Endress, Dallas Ray, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Jim and Joanne Martin, Mitch and Andrew Joseph Kemplin, and the show's official emperor, Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and all audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash michael kent